you're learning to ride a bike, like you will fall. And therefore, when you are starting a business, you will fail at things. But mm-hmm. failure doesn't mean you stop. Failure means that you kind of sit and you analyze, well, what happened, what, what went wrong. Welcome to Successfully Speaking with Tyler Smith-Barbosa and myself, Jessica Courtney Rivera. Tyler and I are very good friends of, oh my God, 20 years. We've grown up together, become mothers together, planned weddings with one another, and now we're here growing businesses and riding the waves of life. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Like I said before, I'm owner of Lotus Family Education Center. Um, it's a family child care program, which is just a lingo for in-home. Um, it is a professional child care program. Like, I'm not a nanny or a babysitter. It's, like, it's different in that way. I'm licensed through the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and I am currently work working with the quality rating system in Pennsylvania, um, and the ultimate goal is national accreditation. So, um, with that being said, um, that is my source of income. I do not do any other work. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> um, I currently have like three sources of income. I know. That's why I said that. <laughs> you, you were about to lead with I and then I and then I. <laughs> But also, I. also, also. <laughs> okay, so I have I have a job, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. a W two. Someone pays me for my services. Um, and with the job is right now, I actually work for Starbucks. Um, and the reason why I work for Starbucks is because I want to own a cafe. My goal. I'm not gonna say I want to. I am in the process of opening my cafe. Um, it should be open within the next six to twelve months. And as much as I love coffee. Um, I have never made an espresso or a latte cappuccino, you know, from an espresso, espresso machine. And I was like, only thing I kept thinking about was the first person I hired got to teach me how to do this because I'm not going to know how to work this. Um, and I happened to be talking to my husband about it. And he was like, why don't you just go like get like a part time job or something at like a Starbucks or something? And I was like, mm-hmm. You smart. You is smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we marry, because you make sense. Right. Um, before that, I was actually working at a vitamin shop, which I loved so much. Um, taught me a lot about um, like herbs, amino acids, uh, macros, which was already a lot of stuff that I already knew because, you know, being a personal trainer, um, I also had a nutrition certification. So a lot of stuff I knew, but it, it really helped because it just expanded my knowledge and information on micronutrients, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's just kind of working out because the goal of my cafe is an apothecary and a cafe. So an apothecary is like Hence um, the name apothecary. That part. If you guys didn't catch that. If you didn't know. (laughs) Um, So the apothecary part, right, dealing with herbs and tinctures, an apothecary was like an old school pharmacist before pharmacies were a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So healing through um, herbal medicine, essentially. Mm -hmm. But then you have the cafe part of it, too. So I was an avid tea drinker. 
Um, and I actually, I used to drink coffee every time I went over Jessica's house because I actually just love the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. But in over the past year, I started drinking coffee on a regular, like at home, because I get uh, frequent migraines and the, the caffeine helps with the migraines. So I just, now I just have like a love for coffee and tea. It's just great. So mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the apothecary is to have, be like a coffee shop, a tea shop, um, and an apothecary style thing so it's a it's a wellness center essentially right anyway so my husband was like you should totally just you know become a barista somewhere so you could just learn it and I love nothing more than for someone to pay me to teach me a craft right so that's one income the other one is um what's my other one oh my other one <laughs> is really <laughs> see see guys this is what I'm talking about uh, my other one is um, related to the apothecary. So in order for me to start building my brand online, um, I also sell gift baskets um, that are apothecary style. So right now I currently have three gift baskets. Um, one is like a postnatal gift basket, a milestone gift basket, and then what we call like our naughty box. Mm-hmm. So there is an array of herbs and tinctures, things to put into your coffee or even tea blends that I make. Um, to go with each and every theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's one income, but it's also to help build up the brand of the uh, apothecary once it opens and so that we already have a following. And where can people find that? Is this like a brick and mortar store or is this online? Yeah, it's just online. So my shop is on Etsy um, and I'm working to get it on um, Instagram and on Facebook to buy directly from them but right now it's Mm -hmm. just on etsy um which the link is in my description on my instagram account the apothecary on instagram okay um but then i also own um rental property Mm -hmm. um and so that rental property also is accounted towards my income so just to recap (laughs) because that was a lot um i have the (laughs) online store the rental property and then uh, a regular uh quote unquote yeah my my air quotes my nine to five really like nine to one 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 to five one it's it's a thing some stuff (laughs) Um, okay yep so but so jessica because you have been in childhood education since forever i know you had like a little brief dabble with um fashion when you first started college Mm -hmm. but i mean you've been you've been teaching forever because my oldest daughter is 11 and you were her preschool teacher yes yes so um when it comes to entrepreneurship um, I was telling you before that it's not really when I was younger I didn't say like oh you know when I'm older I want to own my own child care business that was not um, the goal I wanted to educate I knew I wanted to um, impact the world in that way but I didn't necessarily plan um, for you know operating my own child care business what happened was, as I, you know, worked in uh, many different child care facilities and I, you know, received my education and I went through school, there were just some things that I noticed that um, I would like to see 
happen differently. Mm-hmm. Um, what, one thing, what things like what? That's what I was going to get into. So one thing um, that Lotus Family Education Center is really big on is family engagement. It is um, supporting the members of the family, the entire family, mom, dad, siblings, um, in many different ways. And so um, in that, it's kind of like building a village. So I want my, you know, students and my families who are enrolled with me to know that they are a part of my family. And it's been that way for me since, I mean, that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom owned family child care and um, your brother went there and, you know, you guys were supported in many ways yes, from definitely. my mom's business. And so um, that was something that I felt like, you know, was lacking when it comes to schooling. Definitely. All over, like, I feel like it's very separated. And I just feel like, you know, family, education, and healthcare all go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other without having the other and so that's the problem it's so funny that you mentioned it too and i know we talked about this before but when we moved to florida the only family that we had down here was my Mm mother-in-law and she's older and she's a little bit more sickly so um there's not a lot of support that we get from her because she just she physically just can't give what she can she does and we're very Mm -hmm. appreciative of that but that kind of was like the realization like we don't have any help or any support. And then now, even with Eli going into preschool, I was scared. And I think this is the first time I can actually say that I was scared for my children. And my biggest fear with her is because, you know, she doesn't eat. Like, Mm -hmm. we can probably get one good meal out of her a day. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't eat. She doesn't like to eat. She's a snacker. She'll snack all day. And I was always afraid that she would just starve in someone else's care. And this is the part where I was like, this, Jessica needs to be here because <laughs> I would just be okay. Like, just like, this is what she ate or this is what we try to give her. And I just know that there would, wouldn't be like apathy towards right. her not eating if she was in your care. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but yeah, so I just feel like, um, especially in urban areas, where children, um, you know, most likely come from families who are experiencing, you know, the typical things that are experienced in urban areas, um, poverty or, um, you know, hardship at home, whether it is like, you know, divorce or, you know, some other type of family turmoil or maybe, there's just mom is working and like you know she has to work you know long hours in order to provide for her children and so you know her children aren't able to get the quality time I guess um is what I want to say or maybe like familial time yeah like just you know the love and like unconditional support you know when you are a single parent and you're working and you are in survival mode it's hard to turn it off just because you have kids Mm -hmm. and you know you're doing it for them in the first place and so I feel like you know school should be a soft place it should be 
you know, in urban areas, it should it should feel like home. It should, you know, teachers like there were things that and when I worked in a center that, you know, would just rub me the wrong way. Like you couldn't like um there was I had an extra pair of sneakers. Lady received some sneakers for her birthday and they didn't fit. And there was a little girl um whose mom was a teen parent and the mom was a foster child. Mm. And um, she was currently in placement because when she got pregnant with her daughter, her foster family decided they didn't want to take on the responsibility of her and her child. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, mom was really struggling. Like she was trying her best, um, you know, but there were things that were lacking, like, you know, hygiene things you can tell that they didn't have a lot um and it just it was it was just really you know hard to hard not to involve myself in like it was a rule that I literally could not like I yeah I I couldn't like I had the extra sneakers and I gave them to her and I literally was reprimanded for it um it's just so much red tape and and like that was really discouraging because i feel like as an educator like my my you can't teach a child until you meet their needs and so mm-hmm. if she's here um for instance we had the food program and cut off for breakfast was nine o'clock so if she's here at 905 because her teenage mom is trying to catch the bus and you know she doesn't have enough car fare and now she gets the car fare and then she comes all the way here she brings her here and it's like oh she can't eat she can't eat well you know she can't eat at home but not even this but like a child can even perform at their best without the right sustenance too right so so now she had to wait till lunchtime to eat it just was really discouraging um and then um the head start program i feel like you know it was funded in a time where um you know there was like the war on poverty and it was great in the time that it was founded, but there are things that I feel like need to change within the system. Mm-hmm. And um, Head Start and uh, Pre-K Counts are like the biggest programs here in Pennsylvania that serve um, underprivileged children. And so, you know, there's certain like there's supposed to be like a parent engagement aspect to Head Start, but I didn't see that anymore. Um, and, and so, you know, that was another thing that was really discouraging. So ultimately I felt like it was more of a business and, um, childcare owners were profiting, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, obviously if you run a business, there needs to be a profit. I'm not going to say that I don't work for money because I do, I cannot do this for free, Right. but that's the reason why it's in my home because I get to, save um you know money from resources and kind of like share some of what my family has so that I can give what I really want to give um to the program and um to the families Mm -hmm. so yeah I get that with like feeling like you have to go above and beyond when I was the rec director at the gym we worked with children Mm -hmm. um 
and I coach, I coached kids. And so you get attached to them in these ways. And it's like, even now, like I had a kid who moved to Texas and her family just felt like I helped her so much, which in the grand scheme of things, I don't feel like I've done more than just love her. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but that's really big. Like right. people don't realize how impactful it is. It's so impactful that if a child is experiencing like extreme hardship and nothing else is right, they have no, they don't have the resources. Um, you know, their, their meals are not regular. Their, you know, their home life is not great. Just one person mm-hmm. who is consistently there and consistently providing love and mm-hmm. comfort can change the trajectory of their life like tremendously like right. not even slightly mm-hmm. and so with working with the kids you you're right you see first off kids are very open and they tell you a lot and you can obviously observe a lot in their behavior their mannerisms their clothes and things like that so it it's hard to not when you work with kids Mm -hmm. to not want to give them more. And for me, what the hardest part was we didn't necessarily have rules uh, around it, which was nice for the gym. But for me, it was not spending all my money on these kids. And that's all I wanted to do was just like give them things and and, and stuff like that. So no, we hear teachers talk about that a lot. We hear Mm -hmm. teachers talk about like, you know, like a funding, like a support, um, and you know children needing more than the government actually provides so that's definitely that's the thing i can understand and relate to so but what made the jump from working there and and taking that leap and being like i'm gonna start my own business because starting a business is scary there is no safety net you know what i mean there's no there's not someone else to take the blame for stuff it's like do or die you know like honestly I didn't look at it like that it didn't really. feel do or die like I I'm degreed I'm certified if it did not do I would not die I would just go back <laughs> to what I did before <laughs> like it wasn't like I wasn't um I guess I wasn't really worried about that like I wasn't worried about whether or not my business would be successful because it really wasn't the goal like um it actually wasn't a goal to have um child care in my home permanently mm-hmm. but the longer that I did it and like it just makes more sense mm-hmm. um and I, I applaud you for that, first off, because I don't like people in my house, like, at all. Yeah. So to to have, like, my space invaded on a daily, and I know that's not how you see it. Mm-hmm. But for me to have my space invaded, invaded on a daily would cause severe stress. Like, you know, my nieces and nephews came to stay with me for about two weeks, and it was very abrupt. It was not something that was planned, and I was stressed the entire time. What's so interesting is that I do feel like that about everything except the childcare business. Like, <laughs> I don't like when people just stop by my house. I don't like when, um, you know, I have to, to get dressed, you know, because there is like, you know, company and things like that. Um, 
But what I think it is about the childcare business is number one, um, you know, having boundaries and, you know, parents understanding that, you know, my house is a safe place for you and your family and your children, but also I am deserving of quality time with my family so that I can give them all that I'm trying to, you know, give you. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I've had families who did not understand that and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I've also had families who didn't understand why I wanted them so involved um, here and that didn't work. And so I feel like I'm getting to a place now where, you know, I've let go of, you know, expectations that I've had for myself when it came to like how a school should be run. And I'm, I'm running my business more more focused on how what what I want what my goals are what my real goals are and so you know some things have changed but it's also made me happier it's also made me feel less stressed Mm -hmm. it's also made work feel less like labor Mm -hmm. yeah I don't feel labored at the end of my day I feel like you know okay like you know now I can move on to the next thing it's so um, funny that you say that too, because when I'm at my regular job, mm-hmm. I can't do anything before or after. But yeah. if you're if if I have to, you know, like homeschool and then do things for the online stores and put together stuff, and I can do that. I can do that from sunup to sundown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's a difference. It's it's all about like you know your ability to have you know boundaries that fit what it is that you need mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of entrepreneurship because that's what we're talking about right? right and so when you're an entrepreneur something that i didn't realize when like i said before like my goals were not necessarily to be an entrepreneur but to be an educator mm-hmm. and one thing that i didn't realize was the benefits that i would have as an entrepreneur educator if that makes sense how so what kind of benefits benefits in cre- being able to um create my my own boundaries being able to you know working in education in a classroom felt laborious because it wasn't fulfilling and so now you know educating in my home in the way that i think is best it, it's it, like a peace I of mind. Feel, like, yeah, I feel more at peace with it, and so I don't feel exhausted when it's over. Like I don't feel, I don't feel burnt out. Like I know, like one time we were talking about the hours that I work. So I work, up, I work about sixty-five hours a week. Mm-mm. Not to mention the time I spend planning, or grocery shopping, or um, sanitizing, or cleaning, or you know all of those things. I couldn't tell you how many hours I actually spent working, mm-hmm. but I know, you know, I can count a hard 65, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like it. 
I don't feel like I can't do my podcast or I can't pursue my master's degree or I can't enjoy time with my family or, you know, I don't feel like my home is out of control. And in the beginning, though, I will say it did feel like that. But it was because of how I was running my business. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it wasn't aligned. It wasn't aligned. Right. So when I first got into entrepreneuring, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I did it because it was personal training, right? I was completely into fitness. When I had graduated basic training, I had stress fractures in my hips. My drill sergeant was like, hey, you know, you start lifting weights. A lot of that pain will go away. You know, I was a toothpick. I was skinny as a toothpick. And <laughs> so I, I was athletically built, but like slim. Mm-hmm. And I started lifting weights, which was like the funnest thing that has ever happened to me. And, I, you know, I was like, I could totally make a career out of this, which was right on time because a month before I graduated um, w- from college, I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm. Um, I have a degree in criminal justice and I was military police in the military. And I was like, I'm just going to be a cop in the real world because I already had like I already know what it takes. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll be fine a month before my graduation i was like i don't want to be a cop <laughs> <laughs> which is just so crazy right because you put in all this work right get there and you're like i want to do this um and my mentor like i was like i don't know what to do and i don't know what to do and he was like all right well for now you know just be a personal trainer because I was already helping people mm-hmm. um, with their um, goal, their fitness goals in the military. Um, and it just kind of like aligned. And I think that I like, not that I think, I know that I like uh, teaching, not mm-hmm. necessarily like as a teacher, but kind of like maybe like mentoring or life coaching kind of like wellness in that way. Mm -hmm. So I found it very uh, fulfilling. And so I tried like, um, at first I was trying like, okay, like I would just be a personal trainer at like LA fitness or something. And it just wasn't again, because of guidelines and expectations and then pay. And I was like, this, it wasn't aligning. And I was like, I, I remember I had got my income taxes and I was like, I should just go ahead and dump all this. And to start start my own studio. Mm-hmm. And it was like probably the craziest idea I've ever had, especially being like a single parent. And I'm like, I'm about to spend all of my money on this thing that probably may not even work. But mm-hmm. it feels like the right thing to do. So I'm totally going to do it. And I did. And I thought I was crazy. And I labored, you know, like it was scary because I was like, what if I don't have that drive? you know, that you need as an entrepreneur, um, mm-hmm. that kind of like discipline. Well, being hungry is sure have you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you secure that. Definitely. So sun up, sun down, I was just like, do, I was doing it and I had equipment and I had friends who were very supportive, who helped out a lot, which was super great. Shout out to the supportive friends who wants nothing but to see their friends' dreams come true. Um, but then I mm-hmm. deployed and my studio was so new. Maybe maybe six months I had the studio open when I found out that I was going to be deploying soon. And it was like, okay. Um, 
you know, I just wasn't in a place where I could like give it to someone because I didn't. It's not like I had any, any other um, personal trainers in there. It was my studio, my space mm-hmm. to train the people that I wanted to train. And I was looking for people that I could like potentially give it to, and it just wasn't working out. And I was like, okay, the best thing I could do is just to close it down and start afresh when when I get back. Mm-hmm. And so I deployed for a year and I came back and I was like, okay, you know, don't nobody know who you are. You've been off the scene, haven't been, you know, like posting on social media. You don't have a brand of following. Um, so to kind of like get back out there, I started, um, I decided to train at a personal training studio. That's mm-hmm. just a gym for personal training um, to kind of help me kind of like piggyback off of their fame mm-hmm. in order to get the clients that I needed. Which was great, and it was working, and everything was great. But then I got pregnant, and then my husband decided that he wanted to go on another deployment. Um, mm. And so that was also like hard to move, right? Because I'm back into like this like single parenting mm-hmm. um, scenario, and so I decided to start making skincare products, mm-hmm. and I'm not even sure how that even came to be. But, you know, I have this thing where, like, if you could do it, I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I was already into, you know, like, natural stuff. I was making... I was um, going to say, it started out with you guys really kind of moving toward natural products. Because I remember your laundry detergent and your, you know, your toothpaste and even your toothbrushes and toilet paper. And, like, you were kind of trying to make a transition and um but also Kai has eczema right oh that's what it was yeah yeah and (laughs) you were trying to find like natural products that could you know work for that Mm -hmm. thank you thank you um (laughs) um so yeah and then I had you know read this one time which stuck with me that Benjamin Franklin's mom used to make soap, right? And this man was born in, like, 1692. And I'm just like, yo, if someone in 1692 can make soap, I can make soap. Like, mm-hmm. tell me I'm wrong. I could do it. And, <laughs> you know, I just Somebody started putting... made light bulbs, too. You want to do that? All right, all right, come down. Come down. <laughs> <laughs> Chill. No, um... Yeah, so then I started doing, like, the skincare, and I had a skincare line, and it actually was pretty thriving. Mm-hmm. But it was. It was awesome. Thank you. But then we moved to Florida, and it was just a different terrain to navigate, and I didn't understand the terrain at all. And so I decided to go back into the workforce um, until I felt I was ready to do entrepreneuring again. And you know what I thought about? It wasn't necessarily that you moved to Florida. You also moved to a suburban slash rural area. And you were used to advertising in urban areas for African-Americans who were into And like in Philadelphia, you have this blend of people. And like you have your really natural, you know. But you know what I miss about Philly? Like not definitely not the violence. But Mm -hmm. there's this like this. (laughs) There's like this hub of entrepreneurs in Philly. Yeah. And so it was like. And you can find them no matter what the field is. Like Yes. Yeah. And I collabed a lot. I made, I networked a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, first off, let's talk about just 
the protection of or the comfort of living in a city that's like 90% black. Yeah. Right? This is where I'm from. This is what I know. I see black people everywhere I go. And when we moved to in Florida, which is right outside of Orlando, is primarily Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Or, and or white people. Um, and so that that's different, right? Because I look different to them and they look different to what I'm accustomed to seeing on a regular. And the needs that you're accustomed to advertising or... Was different. You know, the ones that you were appealing to were different. Like, right. what soldier products here was like, like I said, the really natural, the like earthy, earthy scents. Which is the, a, which is like a, a, a wave in, in Philly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then there's Florida and I'm not really sure, you know, what they're into, but it's different. I, I, I imagine that that was hard for you. Like when you were talking to me about, you know, possibly stopping and I'm like, you know, no Tyler, you know, it's so awesome. Um, the idea of online for your business was really good because I'm like, great, now I can get my body butters. But um, I know you talked about that being really hard, like the demand of it. So yes. you want to tell a little bit about it, it was hard because so we moved to Florida when my youngest daughter was like seven months. Right. So I have this fresh mm-hmm. baby. I literally bought this house. While my husband was away on his deployment, so I packed up our old apartment in Philly, transported all of our stuff to Florida, redid the whole house, and he like kind of just like came home to like this gift of the of a house. Mm-hmm. So talk about you know him leaving from Philly and then coming home, air quotes on on home to Florida. Mm-hmm. So there were so many things that we had to transition through as a family. You know, first mm-hmm. off, me and my husband had now been married for a little bit over a year. We have the seven-month-old baby um, whom he has not had time to bond with. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a completely different environment that we're, that we're both accustomed to. And, and he's I'm, a first-time father. Yes. So, right. So, he's a first-time father. He's a seven-month-old baby. Um, right. He's, you know, we're, this is still, like, newly married, right? Because he prob- mm-hmm. he left, what, like, two months after we got married? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so now we've been married for over a year, but... Which was also the beginning of your pregnancy. It was just a lot. Like, it was just a yeah. lot. So we come home, he comes home, and, you know, we had this, all these different transitions we had to get used to. My daughter has, my oldest daughter has to get used to these types of different transitions. Living with, like, a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the demand for my online store, because I did try to keep that open, and people wanted it. It's just, I just couldn't, I didn't have the time for it. You know, you have these products which although they are natural products, you know, there's a chemistry to it and I couldn't expose my seven month old baby to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I breastfed. So, you know, breastfed babies are like, they just like hang mm-hmm. on your nipples. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was just hard. And I was like, this is not the right time. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are four years later. Um, and a lot of like hop skips and jumps and, I'm like, I need to do this. And I say that because it's something that I think about so often and on a regular. And it's always like that, you know, like that someday it'll happen and someday it'll do it. But things just started falling into place. And I want to say falling very lightly because, you know, life don't necessarily happen that way. You kind of got to put things into place. Mm -hmm. But it was falling nicely Mm -hmm. the way it was being, you know. Yeah. 
And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it now. And I'm gonna do it. And we're going to do this thing. And it's going to be great. <laughs> um, but it's everything that I've done, you know, cause I think being a, you know, being an entrepreneur is hard and, and keeping that motivation is hard and knowing what you want sometimes can get lost in the journey. But when I look back, you know, being a personal trainer, having um, an all-natural skincare line, um, being um, about health and fitness and wellness and giving back to communities, all of those things are things that I've, that I've been doing mm-hmm. and little, little, little many steps that led up to where I am now. And so the whole idea of the cafe is, one, to have a place where people can go. People my age, and when I say my age, I'm talking about like early, Mm mid-30s kind of people, right? People who don't necessarily go out clubbing or feel like they have to buy something or spend money to go out, right? Because Mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's one of the downsides to living in a capitalistic society where you're always expected to spend money. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create a place where people who were my age who you know cared about their health their wellness and wanted things that were good for them and beneficial for them but also tasted good and was just really cool mm-hmm. you know but also didn't want to spend a lot of but money. didn't want to spend a lot of money so that's the whole goal so the cafe um will be a place for people to come relax chill we'll have some spoken words some poetry readings um some live bands it'll be a late night cafe so it'll be we'll probably open like 11 a.m and on the weekends we'll close at 2 a.m um mm-hmm. you know just for those those late night which is cool I'm, in itself because like i need a late night cafe you know what i mean and i'm a, you know i'm a <laughs> night out i will be up all night but i am not a morning person um and then you know sometimes cafes have that like eight to three schedule and i'm like i don't even be thinking about a cafe until after four (laughs) so you know this works i wake up with coffee on my i definitely wake (laughs) up literally the first thing i do but there's there's like coffee but then there's like midday coffee like it's it just hits different you know what i mean yeah it is different and then we, you know, we record these podcasts late at night. Guys, we're talking to you right now. It's two o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> I think as we go on, I just get more and more energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one thing that I feel like is really um, interesting about your journey as an entrepreneur and something that I feel like a lot of people could take um, just as like, I guess, a golden nugget from it all is like, you the fact that you were a personal trainer mm-hmm. and um you know it started out with you know your goal of becoming a police officer and then like you realize like you know no this isn't right you know i enjoy fitness this is what i'm gonna do and you open up this gym and you pour your heart into it and you put in all this work and then life happens right and that's something that i feel like so many entrepreneurs go through like life happens and you gotta kind of shift gears right Mm -hmm. and so you did and then you start this new business later on and it's um you know a skincare line and it's it's thriving and people are enjoying it and so you're like okay now i have that part down this is awesome 
I'm going to move and, you know, it's, it's allowed me to have time with my family and this is great. Like, I'm going to take this with me wherever I go. This is going to be awesome. And then it doesn't work <laughs> in that environment. And so, like, what what motivates you to keep looking for different ways of, of doing it? Like, what is it? What is it? Tell us what it is. I, I think it's mindset, right? Like we have this idea that failure um, is either success or it's failure. Mm-hmm. And when you fail, then that's it. Right. But I think that the small lessons in life, like learning to ride a bike, um, should teach us how success and failure works. When you're learning to ride a bike, like you will fall. And therefore, when you are starting a business, you will fail at things. But Mm -hmm. failure doesn't mean you stop. Failure means that you kind of sit and you analyze, well, what happened? What what went wrong? And then you tweak the, the goal or maybe the steps to reach the goal. And you just start over and you just try again. But if you have that mindset like, okay, this is it, this is, I can't do this no more because you can't take the failure, then you're already telling yourself that you're, that you're going to quit at it. Hmm. And so I don't think it's at any point where I, I ever was like, this is it. I'm not going to keep doing this. This is bullshit. I keep, you know, messing up. It was like, it was like I was our, always a hopeful romantic in it. Like, that's mm-hmm. okay because I'm going to just do this yeah. or it's fine. Like, I just need some time to kind of figure it out, like how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me convincing myself. That was genuinely my outlook on it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just mindset, you know, perseverance, just knowing that if this is what you want, listen to the people, listen to um, your heart, honestly. Mm-hmm. And just. When you said listen to the people, it made me think about like something um, in the you know, early childhood field, especially as a family child care provider is in your home and you feel like, like, oh, this is my house, my rules, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I hear so many entrepreneurs in my field say, mm-hmm. like my program, my rules, I make the decisions. And one conversation that I was recently having in like a um, group for family child care providers is like, you know, actually it's your program but it's not your rules. Like, and that's with any business. It's, it's your cafe. It's, it's your, you know, gym. It's your skincare line, but it's not your rules. Like people have this idea about entrepreneurship is that I'm large and in charge. I make all the choices. And if you don't like it, then, oh, well. And it's like, yeah, but then there's ethics (laughs) and laws and professional development and customer service and I feel like that's something that I try not to ever forget in being an entrepreneur okay Jessica are you ready for our rapid fire I'm ready okay you go first okay what would you say is your biggest struggle as a homeschool entrepreneur? oof my biggest struggle is dividing my time. Mm. Okay. 
what was your motivation to start your business? Like the apothecary? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so many businesses. <laughs> but yeah, let's start there. <laughs> okay. This is a long answer. Okay. Okay. All right. So I always wanted this, right? Mm-hmm. It just looked different when I was younger. So when I was personal training, I wanted to have a personal training studio and I wanted there to be kind of like how they have in Planet Fitness with like the smoothie bar next to it. But I wanted it to be kind of like a smoothie bar lounge. Okay. Um, And I also wanted um, more nutrition to be involved in the whole idea of personal training. So it's supposed to be like a threefold thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, that vision just evolved as I got older. Um, and then when I got introduced into the skincare thing, which is also like a, a health aspect, just like a different side of it, mm-hmm. um, that kind of became like the fourth wall to it. And it was like, okay, so what is it that you're really trying to do here? And then what it really was, was create creating, um, for lack of better words, like a commune, right. Of just mm-hmm. health, health. Okay. And it's like, how do I, how do I bring all of those things into one place instead of it being like different things? Because health, we separate it into different things, but honestly, it's, it's, it's wholesome. You know what I mean? Right. You can't just, you can't work out and then eat crappy. You can't um, eat healthy and then not think about what you think about what you're putting in your body and not think about what you're putting on your body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those, all those things are interconnected and I, I want it to bridge them together okay um and then i started working at the vitamin shop not because not necessarily because i wanted to because but because i had stopped working at the gym and was looking for another job mm-hmm. and i'm like you know i know herbs i can totally get into this and then so i worked started working at the vitamin shop and which expanded my knowledge on um healthy supplements mm-hmm and I was like, wow, this is kind of like that missing piece that I was looking for of how to kind of like wrap this all in. Right. <clears throat> so it was really when I started working at the vitamin shop that I started thinking about like, what do I want? What does my vision entitle, entail? How do I, you know, wrap it all up in, in a pretty neat bow? And I was watching one of my favorite shows, or not watching it, one of my favorite shows that reminded me of it was I was watching um, Outlander. And <laughs> and they had an apothecary in there, and I was like, Ugh, like, like it's like nostalgia for me. The mm-hmm. idea of an apothecary, I totally want to be that person when they come up. Like, I have this element. I'm like, all right, let me grind some stuff, put some stuff together, boom, boom, pop, <laughs> and then like, <laughs> and then like here, this will, you know, like this will mm-hmm. solve your problems. Kind of almost like witchery, low key, but um the vitamin shop is essentially like a modern day apothecary. And I was like, oof, okay. Um, And then, you know, I had some turmoil at the end of my reign with the vitamin shop. And I was like, all right, like now never do or die. This is the time because if you keep pushing this off and you keep getting into these types of predicaments and, you know, it's like the universe trying to tell you like, do it now and do it now. And you're telling yourself that you're not ready. Cause that's really what it right. was. I had told right. myself for a long time that I wasn't ready, that I needed more information, that I needed more knowledge. Um, but I was like, do it, do it now, do it now because, or you won't do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. 
That was good. <laughs> All right. The last one. How do you find balance? Um, how do I find balance? Boundaries, especially with my children. I think that it's really hard when you do homeschool and you're home so much. Um, and, and, you know, being a mom, I think kids just kind of attach themselves to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but letting them know, like, hey, this is what I'm about to do. Let me go ahead and service whatever needs that you have now. Because when this time comes, I'm going to be in a different um I'm going to be wearing a different different hat. Um, And of course, being kids, sometimes they, you know, they push those boundaries, but I think it's just being affirmed with it. Like this is Mm -hmm. is what's happening right now. Um, So there's that. And also, you know, waking up before the kids wake up. (laughs) I think it's really important. Yeah, that's my thing. (laughs) All right, your turn. Okay. What in your teen and or early adulthood life, um, what kind of lessons prepared you for the journey that you're on? The journey of motherhood or entrepreneurship? you mean? I would say early childhood education. Okay. Lessons in my childhood. Um, I think I would say seeing so many... Um, great examples of educators, um, being in a family of educators and just um, watching education evolve. I feel like, you know, my grandmother was an educator. It was one way and my mom got into education. It was another way. And I think even, you know, now it, it continues to change. And I think I was really interested in that. And then also being a child and being a student myself, like, I knew what it felt like in the classroom and what I what I wish for. You know how kids play school and, you know, they go home and they act out like the classroom. I didn't really act out what was really happening. Like I was acting out like how I how I would be like, actually, like if I was the teacher, it would be this way. Like, <laughs> so, so like already as a kid, I'm like, I could do this. I could do this. You, don't you know, know. That, that reminds me of when you used to play with Layla. Mm-hmm. Like she would be playing restaurant. And instead of you just being like the civilized person at the restaurant, you'd be like, I don't want this. Throws the plate. And I'm like, what is that? How to handle conflict. Like, how do you, how are you going to resolve this? <laughs> no, but it was all in fun. But yeah, like I definitely, I feel like, you know, watching that and then being a part of education, it kind of like, you know, it, it brought something up in me that made me want to do what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, I know that your goal um, for your business is to, you know, have a building more like a family oriented, but still a building, which of course would um, mean staff and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, what does an ideal job setting look like to you? Ooh. Um, I would definitely say um, a family-friendly um, setting. Like, I feel like a lot of times when you're staff or an employee of another, you know, place, 
they say they're family friendly and then like that means like they have a Christmas dinner and they invite you a Muslim to the Christmas dinner once a year. <laughs> but like honestly, it's more it's more about like those everyday the grace that you give your employees for things that don't really make that big of a deal. It, it doesn't cause any like, you know, chaos in the day. It is how you show up for your employees how you support them in, in life, not just in work. Um, and, you know, people always say, oh, you know, you shouldn't mix personal and business. And it's like, I kind of agree. But then at the same time, like, I feel like it's really no such thing. Like there is no, I'm still Jessica, even when I'm at work. So to not mix personal and business is kind of like, how? how? How do you do that? Um, and I feel like that's what makes that kind of machine-like work environment where yeah. people are like, you know, thinking of you as an employee, Jessica, instead of, you know, Jessica. Like, Or even know, having like, to feel like you are a different person when you walk into your job right. versus when you leave or your job. Or that you have to hide that you have a life. Like, you know, there's been so many times when, especially in the classroom, I felt like I had to kind of hide that, you know, I had life outside of here, like outside mm -hmm. of work. Like um, when my mother-in-law was having her health issues and she was having open heart surgery and that kind of came out in the middle of the day. And it was like, kind of like, well, but I still have to wear my work hat. So when that, when this is done, then I can deal with, you know, how I'm feeling about that situation. And mm -hmm. that's that it's not healthy. It's just not healthy. Yeah. Okay. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs? I would say, hmm, I would say to, to find contentment. I think that, you know, that's something that I'm really working on in my life. And I feel like it really has helped me to become more successful because I'm not always running after something. The next I'm, thing. Right. Next I'm step. completely content with what I have. And, you know, more just comes because, you know, I'm moving through my life. I'm figuring out, you know, different things. Even this podcast, like, you know, this was not a part of a plan. I didn't say like, oh, by this day, you know, I want to have a podcast. We didn't even have a launch date when we started this podcast. So it's like, you know, just being content with talking to my friend on the computer. Then mm -hmm. just being content with figuring out how to edit and, you know, working this into our schedule and meeting at 10 o'clock instead of 930 or, you know, kids waking up. Like find contentment with where you are and then, you know, without the pressure of having more, of chasing more, continue to build with what you have. Like go forward from there. Nice. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us at the Apothecary and Lotus Family Education Center on Instagram. Tune in next week when we reflect on our in-law relationships.